Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Well, hello there. This is Anna David. You're listening to Light Hustler, the podcast formerly known as Recover Girl. Uh, Every week, I either talk to somebody about the recovery or I play an episode from my live storytelling show in Los Angeles. Uh, The episodes, most of the interviews that are done with people are done over Facebook Live. Some are in person. I have some terribly exciting ones coming up, and I'm doing them in person because I am too intimidated by the people to ask them to put up with the technology involved with Facebook Live. So, whew, that's a mysterious tease, is it not? Now, if you are wondering, should I be sharing my story like the people on this podcast? I got news for you. Go take the quiz. It's at lighthustler.com slash quiz. Now we're going to get into today's guest. Very excited to do this one. Uh, It's a woman. She's a very prominent recovery blogger and podcaster. Her name is Laura McCowan. And we originally met at the rally in DC either in 2016 or 2015. Neither of us can figure out which one, but I do a full intro for her in uh, when I introduce what you're about to hear, and I don't have much else to say except this this got really real. I definitely just felt like I was talking to a friend, but I happened to be talking to her over Facebook with other people watching. Uh, We get into sober sex, losing your virginity late, uh, female friendships that break up. And the stories we tell ourselves that are not true, so, so, so many things. I hope you love this one. I know I do. And here's what I've got to say to you. It's better with the lights on. So go out there and hustle, light hustler. Hi, guys. (laughs) Watch my guest drink some water as she to chat with me and all of you happy valentine's day mm-hmm. uh, i don't i don't know all of you but i love you and that that's actually i mean that sincerely uh, i'm doing one of my regular facebook live interviews different time accommodating for a very very special guest who i'm so excited to talk to you today so if you like the people in your life please go share this with them especially mm-hmm. on valentine's day um and and we will get going. Now, let me give her an introduction. Her name is Laura McCowan. If you are in recovery, you know her. She uh, co-hosted the Home Podcast. She has a new podcast, which I love the name, Spiritual-ish. Ish. 
ish. Uh, she's a fantastic writer. You can see her writings at lauramcowan.com. If you are listening to this in the podcast and you need some help with the spelling, it's Laura, L-A-U-R-A-M-C-K-O-W-E-N. You should not have that trouble if you are watching live because it's right there up on the screen. Like this is a goddamn television show, which... <laughs> Um, hi, Missy is here. Happy Valentine's Day. Now, I, Laura, I'm going to let you talk. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hello. So glad to have you here. What you guys, what we were saying before we started is Laura and I met, we believe it was in 2016. We're not entirely sure. Or 15. Yeah. Either 2015 or 2016. I'm terrible with both math and years, so I have absolutely no idea. But um, but when we met, we were at the, um, the, what was it called? Facing walk her, walk, what was March it for addiction? I don't think it was called that. It was facing addictions rally that happened in Washington, DC. And there was a concert that Steven Tyler played at. And it was, it was wonderful. And I had absolutely no idea that there was a sober blogger community at all. <laughs> And Laura, I met a bunch of them, but Laura was the most charming of the bunch. And I'm not just saying that. She's the first one that I've had as an interviewer here. Um, Now, Jordan is saying he has to get back to work. Whatever. Um, But anyway, um, Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks, lady. This is so fun. Um, it's fun. It's um, so I want to hear about your story. What I didn't know until you told me right before we started is that you're you're sober a little over three years. Mm-hmm. Yep, I got sober and so September of 2014. So and I had no idea because you carry yourself very well. I'm a good faker. <laughs> what? I'm a good faker. You're good. I mean, maybe so. And by the way, this isn't to do any judgment or cast aspersions on newcomers, but but um, but you, I thought you were somebody who had been in recovery a very long time, so it was a surprise. Now, now, tell us what brought you to recovery, and then what brought you to start sharing it with the world. Yes. Um, what brought me to recovery? It's so funny. No matter how many times you tell the story, you never know where to start this story. Um, I mean, I had, I had been drinking for a really long time since I, for about, since I was 16, 15, 16. And, um, I had just reached a point after it really started to get bad after I had my daughter. Um, and she's going to be nine this week. So this was a while ago. Um, my drinking changed and it got really ugly. Um, and and at the same time, I was—I had to be more responsible. And um, I don't know. There's something that really changed at that time. My marriage was falling apart. Um, and I had a really—I mean, I had a, a you know, a, a long history of of bad incidents. But I had a really, really bad one with her involving her, where I, well, I, I put her in a lot of danger. And um, and it was public in the sense that my family was there. So. Mm-hmm my back kind of went up against the wall and like I had to, that's when I walked into my first meeting, you know, was, it was a few weeks after that. Um, when you say it got ugly, is that, is that what you're talking about or internally as well? Internally was, I mean, awful. 
um, really for a long time. I always had this like sneaking suspicion that um, I had that I drank differently. Like I noticed other people didn't quite care so much, so much as I did about it. Um, so it got ugly. It was ugly internally. And I carried a lot of shame, even after like parties in college, I was just, it was like this, Oh, like watching, making sure, you know, checking if other people had done dumb things or like had blacked out like I had. So it was ugly, but it was, you know, I also kept it really together. Um, if there is a high functioning type, I was in it, you know, I, my life was really good. And I, and I really, I almost like did more shit well to counteract it. And I started running marathons and I, you know, I was a good faker. Like I said, <laughs> that's why it really trips me out when people say things like you did, where you're like, you looked so together because I was blah, like frantic, you know, on the inside. Yeah, you didn't seem it. I, on the other hand, looked terrible on the outside. I was, was that's like, yeah, that's like, it makes more sense. It, it makes more sense. Right. Yes. I mean, I think yeah, I've always been a terrible thinker. I'm one of these people who, you know, everything I feel is right on my face, even things I don't feel. And so I'm right. of like, you know, like, like you don't even know you feel them yet. Yeah. Or, or I don't feel them. I just like having, you know, an expressive face, but, you know, but I was a disaster. You know, I was, I was not holding it together. I was not, you know, I was certainly not running marathons. Um, so, so, but you know what, what's interesting is I didn't have that college shame. My shame started much later um, where, you know, I just thought it was so fun for so long. So you think from the very beginning, you sort of had this sense that this is not right. Yeah, I mean, I remember one time in college, I blacked out and, and did something and a guy that I was friends with, um, well, I, it was the first guy I had sex with and he it was a friend, um, which is apropos of nothing other than I already like it was he he mocked me and he was something like, well, you were probably drunk, like, that's just what you do. And I was like, oh, you know, and it was like, I knew that he was right. Like, I knew that then I, and everyone got drunk in college. So to stand out was, I just knew. Yeah, I just knew. Um, but there's lots of ways that you can, you know, protect it and hide it. And I did that. And it, it you know, it, it was a slow escalation. But the after I had my daughter was when it, there was a time when it just went oof. And um, it kind of stopped working. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it just, I was more anxious. It didn't quell any anxiety. It just was like pouring gasoline on it. It was a really, it was like 2010. It was a really difficult time um, generally. And um, I don't know, it just stopped working. It started getting scary. I knew I couldn't like, I didn't know what was going to happen when I drank. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know. Like it was, it was a, it was a crapshoot. Um, not, to to pry into this, but I couldn't. What I picked up out of that story, among many other things, is that you didn't have sex till college. I know. He's late. Me too. And that's considered really? so late. So uh, late. Twenty one. I was twenty, and it, it, it being Valentine's Day, why not talk about sex? But yeah. I mean, to be honest, I had done everything, but and it was a mere technicality. Okay, but, I hadn't. I was like. 
Really? So, so especially drinking early. So was that something that like you made a conscious choice? I am not gonna, I'm gonna wait on this, anything like that. Um, I thought I was making conscious choice. I think I was a late bloomer, like truly just didn't know what to do with all of that. And I think, um, I was terrified of, of boys. I didn't know. I just didn't know what to do with them. And then yeah, so it was kind of a conscious choice. Like I remember, you know, thinking like I'm saving myself for something, which it just makes me laugh. Like that should be an okay thing to do, but it's so not how I am otherwise. It's just funny. It's just, it's funny that I, I think about that person and I kind of feel sad because I'm like, that was like a true innocence. Like I thought that that was, and then by the time you're 21, it's like, whoa. I mean, that's like senior year in college. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, so is it sort of like your heart sort of breaks for the, the innocent you once were? Yeah. I know. Yeah. When do you think you lost that? Oh, so many times. So many times and I can really picture it. I lost it. I mean, the first time I had sex, I was drunk, like really drunk. Mm -hmm. and, and, and every time thereafter, I'm not kidding until I probably, till I got married. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we had sex, whatever. The, the, it wasn't like that, but um, yeah. So. And, and sober sex is a big thing that people talk about. For me, it was not a big deal, even though like you, I had never, it just had not been a common occurrence in the, you know, in my life. Right. But was that a big deal for you? Yes. It was a huge deal. Um, it's hard not to read the comments as they come in. I know Matthew, a regular watcher. Say, yeah. Have you ever heard that? No, That's awesome. <laughs> I heard about Galentine's Day from you because we were supposed to talk yesterday. And when you said, oh, we're doing it on Galentine's Day, I had to Google it. And I was like, yeah, you're like, oh, we, we are, we were like guillotine or something like that was where my mind immediately went. It wasn't a positive thing, but so, okay. <laughs> So, um, what was I saying? That it was that it was weird and hard. <laughs> yes, it was because I also had a lot of like shameful things wrapped up in sex. Like I, I, I mean, whatever. I'll just say it because I talk about this stuff. I never really formed a positive relationship with it until, and, and my relationship with my husband was very positive but I was really unhealthy and, and I was drinking a lot and I, there was a lot of infidelity on my part. And so sex was all wrapped up in it. And every time without fail, there was no infidelity without drinking. Like it just went together. And so I had that like sickness around it too. And so by the time I got sober, like I'd had how many ever, however many years of just, really unhealthy. Like if I'm having sex, I'm really doing something wrong. Mm, yeah. You know? How much do you think that has to do with the inherent shame in our completely repressed culture and being a woman? Oh, I mean, a lot. I don't even know how to say more than a lot, but a lot. And like, I think it depends on the family you grew up in and stuff like that. But I grew up in a Catholic Italian Catholic family that it was just like, no, 
that is just no, we don't talk about it. We don't do it. Ew, that's unladylike, you know? And it wasn't that it was an outwardly shameful thing. It was just like, you do not talk about that. So yeah, massive. And, and um, yeah, so sober sex. Oh my God. I just, it took me a long time to feel, well, first of all, just the comfort, like of being, doing it, you know, doing the whole, not even the sex part, but the leading up to the sex part is like mind melting when you're not drinking. Mm-hmm. You've only done it after drinking for so long. Cause it's, and then mm-hmm. like not feeling, I don't know, feeling like exposed, but I, I was lucky. I dated someone who was really supportive of my sobriety and it was very like safe to be with when I was n- new in sobriety. So it just like ripped the bandaid off. It stopped being a thing pretty quick. Did you, what about sort of there's, okay, there's the leading up to it. There's the actual sex, but what about the not role playing, but like the way we're sort of taught in our culture to be, whether it's like va va voom, whatever it is to just be yourself. Oh God. I don't even know how it, this is seriously. I love talking about this because no one's ever asked me this stuff before. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, I have to really think about that. Like, I, I mean, I will say that's been a thing for me and actually now being in a, in a healthy, great relationship, it's, I'm confronting it more because like there's just been so much and role-playing is the wrong word, but kind of taking some on a persona. Yes. Yes. That the taking Uh, on a persona that you're supposed to like, like, Oh, should I look like this when I'm having sex or like, like, like how should it? And if you think about like guys don't do that, that I know of. I wonder in our pornified culture if they do more. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know about you, but I am so grateful to have not grown up with that as a barometer for what sex is, you know. Um, it just like generations ago because they didn't have porn. Yeah, sorry, you broke up for a second. But yeah, that it wasn't accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you know what? I just want to go back on what I said. Like it has to be worse for them. Because I know I've been with men and I'm like, why are you, aren't you supposed to be aggressive? Like, like you you expect them to play a certain role and the role is not right, but the persona. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I want to make sure I I understand what you, what you mean. Um, That it's worse for men who've sort of grown up with porn because we expect them to be a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say there's all this, I mean, all these studies that I can't cite precisely, but you know, uh, Jesus, like I can't be articulate at all about sex. I think I get, no, you brought it up, (laughs) you know, that basically, especially male sexuality has been so impacted by the porn in our culture, you know, in terms of being able to just sort of get it up for normal sex is, um, you know, is, is increased 600% or something like that. Um, but okay, we can jump off of sex. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, so, and so tell me how, like, how has your, this is a impossible to answer question. How has your recovery changed? Say since we hung out in DC, um, how has it evolved over the years? No, it's, I mean, that's a, it's a big question, but it's not, um, 
I, I love that question because it has changed so much and as, astonishingly so. Um, I would say now, uh, this year especially, like as I rounded into year three, it got like very real again, meaning I think the um, the relief of just not doing that, you know, lasts for a long time. And I kind of rode that out for like, you could just, it was just such a relief to do that, mm -hmm. to not do that. I'm sorry, anymore. And I rode that for a while. It was just like, just don't drink. Like that was enough. And then it became, and then I started, like I I quit my job. I, I made a lot of changes. And then this year it's been really about like, my emotional sobriety relationship stuff with men. Like I've had to really clear that stuff out and I'm working through the steps again and I'm in a different way. And I'm just um, like, I had to, I, I hit another sort of bottom mm. with that where I was like, Oh, now I got to I got to really face all the, all the stuff that was there to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's gotten deeper. Um, it's yeah. so, it's so like, there's so people told me too, like you're th three or that, you know, people say things about certain years and I don't know that that's always true. I think I'm definitely one of those people that's not complacent. Like I want to keep growing always and keep pushing and seeking. And I think, uh, all, all my prior knowledge and whatever had started to do me no good. It was almost like, I know all these things I should be doing better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Specifically in the relationship department, like, why am I so fucked up? It doesn't make sense. And it was like the same as with drinking. Mm -hmm. All the knowledge I had about everything wasn't really doing me good anymore. I had to kind of go back to, to square one and start with like rebuilding a relationship with God. <laughs> and questioning my faith and really like tearing away all my stories, you know, that I had about myself and all that shit. So mm -hmm. that's what, that's what it's been it, lately. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I have this, I have this course, how to fall in love with yourself. And it's what it launches from is, you know, I started doing college talks about this because all the books about relationships for women were like calling in the one and the rules. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like they set us back so much because they tell us not to be us. Yes. Yes. So how does, how, what is your working on relationships look like? Is it inventories? Is it therapy? What is it? Therapy? Yes. Um, doing the steps again. I mean, it's not really working on relationships. It's really working on being, um, knowing myself a little bit better um, and having, learning to have compassion for me. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, uh, I have, a, I think a lot of women have this, uh, we all have like a wound, like some kind of wound that we've shaped our entire persona around. And then we, you add in like this, the cultural conditioning and you add in media and you add in all this other stuff. And I think we, even if we don't say that we believe certain things, I know for me, I believed certain things like love is 
stupid. Like if you're dumb enough to want that and believe in it, like you're going to be shit. Like it's, it all goes to shit. So like, don't believe in it. And it's weakness. I thought that, and I couldn't be who I really am. Like I have to hustle to get it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't actually just be who I am. And like, that would be enough. Like I had to hustle for, for it, like all those things. Like, and I had to really dig to figure that shit out because it's not, it's so ingrained and it's so who you are that you can't see it. You know, like you can't see, oh, I have these glasses on because it's all you've ever looked at. Right. Right. It's, well, I think that's interesting too, because I think a lot of women have the opposite, which is, and men too, I don't mean to make this all about women. Love is going to save me. That yeah. you have that, I will I be. used to have that. And then I had the other one because that, I, that turned into a pile of shit. Right. You know? Is it so? Because I was going to ask, like, you know, so many of these stories come from our formative years and what our parents told us between the ages of zero and 10 and what we saw them do. So, you know, and it's like to me, it's like people ask, you know, the long standing debate is like, is alcoholism genetic or, you know, and it's like, I believe we have a precondition, like a predisposition that can be sort of exacerbated or diminished based on what those parents do. And, And all our parents fucked up and will fuck up and all of that stuff. But some of our parents like fucked up a little bit more than others. <laughs> yeah, um, I have a lot of divorces. <laughs> oh, oh, between your parents. No, them, them and then them yeah. and other people. Yeah. Well, okay, I can top you. I can raise you this. My grandparents, you know, when nobody got divorced, each of my grandmothers got divorced and remarried three times, one six times because she divorced and remarried the same husband, my grandfather, three times. That is a winner, especially because when it was. When it was. And my parents just got divorced for the second time from each other. So, really? Oh, yes. my God. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, um, they've got nine between them. But um, generationally, like that's a bit, I know we're, we're like, who's worse? Like when I, I, and, and I just thought like the, that's, you know, and I know this isn't like about whatever we're talking, like your relationship shit, but it's, it, it was a big reason, you know, it plays into it because I was just like, you don't want something. You just blow it up. You think something's not working. You blow it up, you know? Yeah. Everything, everything can be regenerated. Everything like you don't stay. You know, and that's how drinking is. You don't want something, you just torch it. Yeah, scorched earth could have been my middle name. And still can be sometimes. You know, I know I am like that more um, with friendships. I am a huge cut Oh, do I cut and run to the point that it was, you know, it, it's a, it was a constant recycling for years and years. And what do you think about this? It's It's hard for me. I was sharing about it in a meeting this morning. I don't come from a from a place uh, where I was given like a lot of um, like, oh, my God, you had success. Like how great that that is. It wasn't celebrated. And so I've sought out a lot of people subconsciously who who also are threatened when I live big. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Do you do you have you had that like and in terms of like female friendships? Like what is your process with that? You know what's so crazy? I I mean, this is like a this is a great topic. I feel like um, I have definitely very obviously recreated the patterns that I had with my dad with men. That no doubt. As far as female friendships and women, though, 
Um, I can see over the years that I have steadily like attracted healthier people, but, but I also had really good friendships to begin with. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm so interested that you said you're cut and run because I, I, um, I think that some women have the same issues. Like I, I would talk about my stuff with men and people would say, I don't do that with men, but I've done that with my friendships like over the years. And I think it's all must, it all must come from the same place. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I haven't had that. I've, I've honestly feel like I've been given the, the jackpot on female friendships. Um, and I'm, and I don't put them in the same. Oh. Repeat that last sentence again. Cause you brought Yeah. That. I feel like I've gotten the jackpot on like female friendships. Like, and I have, but you know, I've done a different thing where I have idolized people. Like I've put people in this like God role before mm-hmm. and then I will take them down from it or, they, they fail because nobody can do that. Um, and in that way, I've had friendships end, but I have, so yeah, I guess I've done the same thing. It's sort of the same thing, like people getting uncomfortable with you getting big. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never, I've never looked at exactly that though before. Um, what I'm saying is I think I don't struggle as much with the female friendship yeah. part. It has, it has come with the male friendships, but I think that's like a very real thing. And I, ha- and I, talk to people in recovery all the time where that's a really big thing. Yeah, I I know. I know it is. It is for me. And it's like, you know, it's like I'm going to be 18 years sober next year and it's alive and present right now. Yeah. You know what I think? I I was single most of my life. Like I had French. I feel like I've worked on my stuff in friendships for so much more cumulative time than I have in right. male relationships. Like I was single literally through my whole twenties. Right. Right. Yeah. Me too. I was like a drunk and a coke addict single. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's recently come up for me because I made this conscious decision. Like I think I was always scared to even like embrace the social media stuff. Um, stuff like what we're doing, stuff like putting effort into Instagram, because I was scared that the not of the people, the strangers, but the people around me were going to judge it. And I am getting that. I am totally yes, getting you that. are. And like, who do you think you are? Yeah. And I've judged friends for doing it, too. So I get it. But it's really interesting to see where that fear uh, came from. And then it's sort of been realized, you know? Yeah. 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 It, and that, I could have a whole discussion on this part. I think there it's fascinating. The extra, like the, the world of social media and all the, like the stuff it creates for us and reveals to us and how it can be a beaut- I mean, I wouldn't know you probably if it wasn't for social media in some way. Yeah. We know each other better. Um, <laughs> I will say, you know, when I met all of you, you know, and this whole was introduced to this world of sober bloggers and people out there doing this, I, I didn't really, I like, you know, put my head in the sand. I I was doing my own thing. I I hadn't paid attention. And then I start paying attention and, and like, you, you guys have all been doing this. Like your Instagram is very open, very open and you have a huge following and a ton of support. What is that like? Is it something that you sit there and you're like, okay, I'm going to tell people this or, you know, how does that work? No. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing because it, for me, it started like I got sober kind of on Instagram. Like it, it was a release for me to tell 
I had, as I'm sure you understand, like so many different versions of myself mm -hmm. in the world as a, when I was um, drinking. And then when I, when I started uh, Instagram, I had like a personal Instagram and I felt like I couldn't really say much of anything on it. And I started one to talk about sobriety, a separate one. And it was the first time I really was like, well, first I realized there's this whole like community out there. And then it was the first time I started to talk really honestly about this thing. And it just kind of grew in organically. Um, but I never thought like, oh, I'm going to share this. Uh, it's just, I always have shared what I felt comfortable sharing. And the like the, the reciprocity in that community community has always been very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's a dark side to that, you know, because but. people, I, I have noticed like people, pe you put yourself out there and people are going to tell you what they think of what you're going through. And it's been a couple years now and, you know, uh, people have opinions about weird, my choices, but I've also shared my choices. So it's like, whose fault is that? You know, I'm in basically inviting you to say what you want to say about me. In the comments, you mean, or they email yeah. you or what does it happen? Both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so then, um, you, you co-created a podcast, which is, and now you've co-created another one. Mm -hmm. Tell a little bit about that. Yeah. So home started in 2015 with Holly. And that again was like another thing, like, like starting to talk on Instagram, we just were like, we want to talk about this in a much different way than it's being talked about, you know, and um, we just started talking really like two people talking and it grew really big, really fast. Um, and, but we, and it was also like this very real evolution of our friendship <laughs> broadcast right because we weren't friends before we just we met like less than a year before we started the show right did you meet at uh the march that we met that at? was the first time we actually saw each other in person wow so how did you connect you just eat had we met on instagram oh my god fascinating yeah so you start doing this podcast it grows um, it becomes a whole thing. And, and there were courses and all of that stuff. There was no Holly runs a company called hip sobriety. That's always been separate. And that is her company. And she, you know, that, that has, she has courses and stuff. Um, we have a Facebook group. That's really all that, like the outgrowth of home. We had a home Facebook group of just sober women, which was amazing. And, um, but then, you know, of course it fed like each of our work and, um, and, over the years. And now, and it got to the point where, you know, there were like 20,000 people a week listening. And I, but I never really like, I never thought about it. So much, you know, it wasn't like, Oh my God, 20,000. It was just like, we're in this little bubble, like kind of how I feel when I'm talking to you, we're just in this bubble and we're talking. And it was very, um, I mean, it really, it was kind of everything. It was like, helped me grow creatively. It was kind of turned into a business in some ways. Cause you're working with somebody and, um, it turned into, uh, or, you know, there were friendship dynamics. There were all kinds of things that were really fascinating about it. And then um, I think we both also, do we just grew out of, one thing I'm sure you know about creative endeavors is like, they usually shouldn't go on forever. Yes. <laughs> it's like they have a life. Yes. And um, we never intended to do it forever. Right. Uh but we never said it was going to end either. So 
but it just kind of came to an ending um, naturally uh, as, as things do. And we ended it. Um, we, it came to an ending faster than I think either one of us thought. Mm-hmm. I started a new podcast. It wasn't any intention to like replace home or to, to end home, but it ended up, I started the new one with uh, Meadow Spiritualish and, and home ended and kind of went like that. A few episodes after I started Spiritualish, we decided to end home. So so maybe there are no accidents. Maybe it, you know, in a spiritual-ish way, that's how it was meant to happen. Yeah. People want to find that podcast. Um, it's on iTunes and all the other places. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. Laura McCowan, a hub for everything. Where else would you tell people to find follow follow Laura on Instagram? Laura McCowan on Instagram, and yeah, just my website is a hub for all the the, the stuff I do and. Um, Spiritualish podcast is a website. It's super simple, but it'll link you up to everything with that. And yeah, that's what about I fly at night? Is that still something that you're doing? No, that was my blog when I started just as a blog and I eventually just moved that over to my website. Okay. Well, you guys, thank you for chiming in, Doug, Rena, Matthew, Jordan, Keith, etc., Missy, uh, Tanvir, and Laura, thank you so much. I, yeah. this, was, this was a good one. I really did feel like it was just you and me. And so, I know. This um, is fun. Thank you. Um, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to you and everyone else out there. I will be back at 4 o'clock uh, Tuesday, Pacific Standard Time, talking to, oh, my God, who do I have? He's the, the host of Recovery Elevator. Do Ooh. You know? I don't, but I know, the, I know that... Um, Yes. Yes. Show. Yes. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Uh, see you guys soon. And um, Laura, thank you again so much. Darling. Bye. Bye.